I think that really listening to what you need right now is so important. And I think it's important to keep trying things until you find the thing that works for you. So, you know, I'm making fun, but if baking, whether it's sourdough bread or like an obscene amount of cookies is the thing that is the place that you can be mindful, then that's wonderful. And if it's going for a run or if it's yoga or meditation or coloring or you take up knitting, I don't know, like any of those things are totally acceptable. But I think what what the key is, is to find the time and the activity and the thing where you can be fully present and you can stop the the chatter, the internal chatter. And that's not to say that your mind is not going to drift off to some other thought, but is the activity engrossing enough that you can call yourself back to it and let the thought go? This is the Angles of Latitude podcast, session number 173 with writer and yogi, Kelly DiNardo. This is squadron leader confirming hostiles inbound. Prepare for battle. What you're about to hear is the integration of life. Clarity is power. If you live each day as if it was your last, someday you'll most certainly be right. Liberty. We choose to go to the moon. It's happening. And all things geek. Yeah, I'm not sure I know how to answer that. Uh, you got a badass over here. Welcome to the Angles of Latitude podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. This is JC Preston alongside co-host Veronica Kieran. Glad to have you here. If this is the first time you're listening in, this is the show where we bring you life lessons or a message from successful entrepreneurs experts, athletes, and artists so that you too can find and execute your own personal mission and live a lifestyle that's proud of. You know, with the lockdown going the way it is, there's lots of pandemic pivoting going on and businesses which are used to working with large groups of people are having to find new ways of working with their clients. And restaurants, for example, have gone to serving people on the curb while events are going virtual. And for example, this last week, the NFL had its draft And while it's normally a big event for fans from around the league to travel to, they ended up doing it virtually. And in fact, there were accompanying web shows, which were being held in Zoom-like platforms as well. Today's guest, Kelly DiNardo, is keeping with the trends herself while she's used to writing for big publications at a distance. She never pictured herself as running a remote yoga studio, but that's what has exactly happened. She, like many other business owners, have had to figure out how to make their pandemic pivot. So listen in as we discuss how she's managing this pivot and how we all might be able to learn something from this pandemic. Other topics we discuss in this conversation include how Kelly found her path into running a yoga studio on top of her freelance writing career, how she finds time to manage two completely different businesses, and what her thoughts are on achievement versus feeling shut in and scared during this crisis. But before we get into that, I want to tell you guys about Connected. And, you know, we're all aware what it's like to be on LinkedIn these days. And no longer are the days where, you know, you'd simply connect with people you actually knew on the platform. Nope. 
Instead, it's been replaced by getting random requests to connect and being told about the newest thing that could potentially help you or your business. And honestly, it kind of upsets me how people could honestly think that this this tactic could work. I mean, I guess it does for some folks, but what's interesting is that there there actually is a better way to connect with people, and it's through building an actual relationship first. And then if an opportunity presents itself, then perhaps it might make sense to do business together. If not, no big deal. At least you'll know what someone else is doing, and you might be able to be at least a referral. But what if you could multiply that process by adding a system that does part of this initial handshaking for you? What if there was some software that could do the engagement for you up to a point where all you do is meet the person face-to-face and they're actually interested to know more about you? As a business owner, I know that would be amazing. And that's why I love Connected. Not only does it do monotonous work for you, but as a client of Connected, the staff will actually train you and help you use their tool properly. So if that sounds like a plan, you can find out more at democonnected.com slash podcast. Again, that's democonnected, spelled K-E-N-N-E-C-T-E-D, dot com slash podcast. If you like what you see, reach out to me and I'll be glad to introduce you to the founder, Devin Johnson. All right, so let's get into the chat with Kelly. But before we do, remember to subscribe to the show on whichever platform you're listening in on. Also, leave a review on that app too. Comments and reviews do truly affect the chance that other people find the show. Also, if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, I'll be sure to read it in an upcoming session. Don't forget, you can always email us questions about scaling your mission-based business at heyguysatnewinceptions.com. Again, that's heyguysatnewinceptions.com. We'd love to hear from you. Show notes and show note extras of the show can be found at newinceptions.com slash 173. And as always, I'll be on at the end of the show to fill you in on anything we might have missed. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. This is JC Preston with Veronica Kieran. Thanks for being here with us today, Veronica. How are you doing? Hey, JC. I'm good. How are you? Good. Good. Just, uh, I know you're you're taking a little bit of time off during this whole C-19 thing to spend some time up in the uh, greater white north of Michigan. I'd like and, to uh, be very clear that no time off has been taken, but I do happen <laughs> to be in Michigan right now. <laughs> no, my schedule is actually more uh, packed up because of my new project, Stories of COVID. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And that's I, exciting. Yeah. You're, you're, how, many, how many interviews are I you just, doing? I just did my 23rd interview with somebody who lives in China. Um, And so for, you know, listeners, you guys know, I did Stories of Elders a few years ago. That's a book where I interviewed our our elders about technology. Uh, Big paradigm shift that happened over about, you know, 50, 60 years. Now we have our big paradigm shift happening over maybe like four months, six months. Mm. And so same project, different face. It's been really amazing. It's definitely helping me get through. Yeah, and I think that there's going to be a, a heck of a turn onto um, just like there was with home and security after 9-11. I think there's going to be more of a focus on um, wellness, really, because I think a lot of the people that are passing away from C-19 already have underlying health issues that, yeah. you know, is is already causing a strain on their immunity systems. And there, when you add the virus in, that's that's what's taking them out. It's just they're they're not ready for it. Yeah. So sad. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's unfortunate when we have to, you know, better things after losing people. You know, it was yeah. the same way for the for the flight industry. But now how many wrecks does the US have per year? Not that many. So 
Right. Fair but, enough. But, you know, um, but yeah, as we're doing this, this interview, we do again, find ourselves in the middle of, of the, of the peak of this, uh, COVID-19 pandemic, uh, here in the United States. And one of the things that's actually been on my mind is how can we use this time of change to come out better on the other end? And for many of us, it's really the time to look at this, not, not as a, as a, you know, time to just freak out about everything, but more as an opportunity, less of an adversity, more of an opportunity. And sure things mm-hmm. can, you know, they're, they're going to be seeming like everything is falling apart, but with the right mindset, one can really change uh, their lives around for, for the better. And I, uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of things that could be happening. In fact, I hear a lot of people talking about building new skill sets that they've not been able to do. Um, starting their own side hustle, their own side business, finally. Um, And just, you know, being productive right now. And the problem is, though, is that because of our usual lives, a lot of us are not programmed to to do that. And which is something that, you know, it's you you have to have time to think about things and where you want to go to be able to you know, start developing new skills or start developing a business or start, you know, doing things that you haven't, you've been putting off to someday. Right. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, hopefully we're right. taking the time to do it. Yeah. Right. So even, even when life is, is, is seemingly normal, we're going to have, you know, these, these tendencies not to do the things that we actually want to do. So I, I think Today's interview is something that's well timed because again, you're looking at a period where, you know, after 9-11, we were so big into correcting um homeland security. And then now we're gonna be looking on how can we not only upgrade our, our wellness, but also our mindset as well. And I think today's guest, uh, Kelly Donardo, uh, can help us with that a bit. So Kelly is actually the uh, the co-host of the Living It podcast, and she's the owner of Past Tense Yoga Studio in Washington, D.C., and has written for the Oprah magazine, Martha Stewart Living, Health, New York Times, and the National Geographic Traveler. Again, she can be found on kellydonardo.com. Kelly, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks Pleasure. for being here. I... I'm like so on your page right now, Kelly. And so I'm very, I, I don't know if you can tell, I'm like, oh, I'm excited about this interview because this is, again, I think very timely. I think we need to be having this conversation. And it sounds like you've been through a lot of what maybe the world needs right now, but you did it a lot earlier in life. You kind of had that aha moment um, that that totally changed your life. And so, you know, by all intents and purposes, you started along this very conventional path, uh, you know, going to university at Cornell, but you had this light bulb, this lightning strike, you needed to pivot. And so what, like, where did you think you were going in life? And, and what was that aha moment when you chose, um, health and wellness as a path instead? Yeah. Um, I think there are a few aha moments actually. And enough. Yeah. (laughs) And one of the things that I've realized is, in hindsight, is how consistent yoga was in helping me work through them. Um, so the pivot, the the bigger pivot made sense. So um, hmm. I always knew I wanted to be a writer. I mean, like 
from the first grade on, I knew. And that was very much my path. And when I graduated from college, I moved to the DC area and was working for USA Weekend and USA Today. And I had a very on again, off again yoga practice at that time. And I started to run more seriously and I started to train for my first marathon and long distance run. And so my yoga practice became more consistent. You know, and I, mm-hmm. I always say I, I went to the mat for looser hamstrings and I stayed on the mat for all the reasons that for a long time I couldn't put words on or words to rather. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, there's just so much more to the practice. And I think, I think the physicality of it is what usually draws people and I think yes, it's like the gateway drug. <laughs> the gateway, <like. laughs> right. It totally is. Yes, that's a great way of putting it. Um, and so when I was there, my practice not only helped me with my running, but it helped me make some bigger life decisions. And the first one was that I quit my job at USA Today to freelance. And and that's, you know, that was that is actually still one of my jobs. I'm a journalist and writer still to this day. But at that time, you know, I was talking to different freelance writers and editors who had been freelance and had gone back to an office job and just kind of getting people's advice. And And someone told me that to make sure I did something to get out of the house every day. Hmm. And so, and I also was really nervous about uh, the financials of all of this. Like, could I, could I gin up enough work as a writer for magazines and newspapers to make my rent. Mm. So I had like as a hobby gotten certified to teach, this is dating myself, step and sculpting classes. And um, right. So I did that part-time. I taught like one or two classes a day, um, you know, just to get myself out of the house and, um, and I also was practicing yoga. And those were those physical health and wellness things were the things that were just to get me out of outside so I didn't spend the whole day in the house. Mm-hmm. And my boss at the gym knew that I practiced yoga and that I was studio hopping. And he asked me if I wanted to go through their training to get certified. So I also started teaching yoga then. Um, uh-huh. So it was it was my side hustle, you know, yeah. for a long, for a long time. And it was really interesting because I always taught in gyms, but I always practiced or primarily practiced in studios. And at the time, I think the difference has really changed, but at the time, the difference was a little bit greater. And um, it was probably 2000, I guess it was 2008. And we had this huge economic crisis and Magazines started laying people off and closing, and some of my regular columns and my, you know, my consistent work that I had built up at that point disappeared, and I started to panic about what I was going to do. and And my boyfriend, now husband, said to me, "Keep in mind, after some wine, said, well, (laughs) if journalism died, what would you do?'" And I said, "I I would open a yoga studio." And I really, to this day, don't know where that idea came from. I had never worked in a yoga studio. I had never, you know, taught in one, managed one, any of it. I, I had practiced in them, but I wasn't on the other side. And I had never thought of myself as 
an entrepreneur in that way. But once the idea popped into my head, it it just sort of stuck. Mm-hmm. And, and you probably, saw what life could be like even just for a moment. Yes, exactly. It. Yeah. And so I, it was probably three to six months from then that I opened past tense. It all happened really quickly. Like once the idea was there, I put together a business plan. I worked out financing. I found space. I started hiring instructors. And past tense turns 11 um, this year, this summer, just oh a couple gosh. months. So it it worked. And and I wouldn't call it a total pivot. Like I have two jobs. I have two very poor paying jobs to make up one normal person job. Um, and I love both of them. And sometimes they overlap. Sometimes I end up writing about yoga or meditation or health and fitness. And a lot of times I don't. And, um, and it's okay. I, I, I like when they are separate. I like when they're, when they overlap, it's, it's good. And, but, you know, and yoga continues to be this, it continues to be the thing I go to when I have any kind of hurdle, whether it's a small one in life or, or a bigger one. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So I'd love to, um, you know, take a snapshot into the starting the business moment, because um, for many of us entrepreneurs, that's quite the learning curve. Um, I speak from personal experience as well. Um, And so, um, you know, you, you, you did it just like everyone else. You put one foot in front of the other and just followed the crumb trail, basically. but can you tell us like what that was like as you were starting to put it all together and maybe some of those lessons that you learned? Yeah. Um, hmm, some of the lessons I learned and what it was all like. Yeah. Well, so I, the first, <laughs> the first thing was like, what did a business plan look like? Right. I had never put a business plan together when I decided to go freelance, even though I was starting a business then and I treated it like a business and even put on work clothes and set my alarm every day for the first couple of years. Um, this was a different kind of business. And so I, I putting together a business plan was really daunting. And I think that my research skills as a journalist were really helpful for that. So I, I mean, I tackled that like any other writing project, which was good. Finding financing was really interesting. Um, for me, I did it through um, a friend of the family who I took a loan out from him. It was far more forgiving than, you know, a typical bank or small business loan. Um, And it was a, it was a balance of that and credit card debt, which I definitely do not recommend because that is far less forgiving (laughs) than a bank. Um, And then, you know, honestly, I would say, and, and this stands, I, I had this idea that I would be, I don't know, fixing clogged toilets and, you know, doing like physical things and around the studio. I don't really know what. And the reality of what I spent my time on mm-hmm. before we opened and what I spend my time on now is people, right? So it's, it's students. Mm-hmm. It's in the beginning, it was, okay, well, how do we, and this was before social media. So how do we market to students? How do I let them know that I'm here yeah. and that I exist? Um, and then how do I find, how do I find teachers and convince them that they should 
teach for me and that they should work for me. And, oh, right. Do I hire them as a 1099 or a W2? Like all mm-hmm. of that, like, and who needs insurance? Oh, I need oh insurance, God. right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> all of that kind of stuff. I mean, I basically got my MBA um, in this whole process. So, yeah. uh, but I think, you know, and now today it's still the people that I spend my time on. Are students happy? Are they, do they have an issue or a problem with their path? Or is it, you know, which teachers belong in which time slot and who wants to teach workshops and are they happy and do they need a yeah. review? And like none I, of these apps that help you manage all of that were around then either, I'm guessing. No. And like there's, <laughs> it's so and, it's easy today. You just like have this little app and you just arrange people and they can check in. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and technology definitely helps. But I, I mean, I think the bulk of what I do is more EQ than IT. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really understanding and, and knowing what works for people and what their motivations are. Um, why they want to be working, why they want to be an instructor, what are they getting out of it? And, and understanding their personal rhythms too. Like we have some people, I mean, it's as simple as like, do you want to teach in the morning or you prefer 830 at night? So kind of balancing all of that and making sure people are happy is, is a big part of it. I would say probably the biggest part of what I do. And that was a huge lesson. I mean, yes, I have cleaned out weird vents and unclogged toilets and all of that. But like, that is not the bulk of what I do. The bulk of what I do is people. And that was a big learning curve for me. It's amazing. Mm. Yeah. So I can't help but think that when you're running this yoga studio and actually doing two jobs at the same time, I kind of picture you, you know, either dressed in, in yoga attire and typing or maybe maybe the going back to the suit idea but either way <laughs> here you are in the back of a studio you know in, in, the, in the manager room and type 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 and people are coming back to you to you and saying this is going on and this is going on and i, I don't know i mean I, I think i think my because of this my, my my question that i have right here is like how do you find time to balance the the two different yeah. completely different businesses yeah so sometimes well and sometimes really poorly Um, so we have a really small studio, so there's not a manager room. I work from home regardless of which job I'm doing for the day. And pre COVID-19, I balanced my days. I balanced my days pretty evenly. So I would spend Mondays were harder. There was more to do for the yoga studio on Mondays for some reason, but generally I'd spend like two, three hours on yoga studio stuff and the rest of the day on writing. Um, so the bulk of actually what I would be doing was my writing job that shifted seasonally because yoga studios tend to be a seasonal business and certain times of the month are a little bit busier. Like when I have to do payroll or get the newsletter ready, that, that kind of stuff. Right. So it'll, it'll spike up and down, but generally it worked out to be pretty, pretty even split. Post COVID, um, we've had this huge pivot, and I am just starting to dig out my other inbox and start talking to editors again. But I spent the first month of coronavirus and the shutdown in a full sprint, working 12 hours a day to make sure my team was okay, wow. make sure that they had jobs. 
to go to and income coming in and that my business of 11 years wasn't going to go under. So, mm-hmm. um, so it's different right now. Right now I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that I'm starting to be able to shift some attention back to writing. I miss it, but I'm still probably going to be 80% studio right now. And that's okay. That's okay. Hmm. Oh yeah. That is a big, that's a major change. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So it's, a, it's interesting that um, there's you have the precedence in your life for working from home. So like you had the training wheels on, you knew how to do it, you knew how to manage things. Um, so you're not just totally like thrown into the concept for the first time, but you also have a very fi- real physical space that you that you own and operate. And so um, that that's definitely a big shift for that, um, making yeah. sure that, as you said, the studio survives and that your team is okay. And, you know, definitely I feel being an entrepreneur, especially if you have employees or contractors or any of the like, you kind of become, um, a little bit like mama bear, pop bear, um, where like you're interested in their well being and you, you support and care for them because they support and care for your business. And for me too, you know, I mean, I, I practice with them. They're, they're not just my, my independent contractors. They're my yoga teachers. And I have very strong mama bear tendencies. So like when you're in with me, you are just in and I'm a fierce protector. And so, yeah, I mean, I, when I say my job is mostly the people right, right now, it's making sure my team, my people are, are okay. And it's scary. A lot of them are full-time instructors. Not all of them have partners. Some of them who do have partners have also been laid off from their jobs or are independent contractors who now don't have income coming in. So that's really scary for them. So figuring that out has been huge. (laughs) What Mm. a time. Well, and and I got a little bit of a follow-up question in, in regards to like, you know, since you're not working in a manager's room and you are working from home from 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 one point, you know, you could say that working remote more or less is something that you're used to mm-hmm. and you've just had to really focus on, okay, how do we manage this space? How do we manage the time so that, you know, if we, if we are bringing people in for, you know, maybe one-on-one classes or, or whatever it happens to be, that's what's going to have to be done. But the other thing that, because you do again, run things from home, I'm wondering back in the, in the, the, normality of, of pre COVID 19. Um, did you ever see an opportunity opportunity for expansion based on how you, you yeah. know, run the, the yoga studio? Yeah, absolutely. So we, I was invited to open up studio spaces in other neighborhoods in DC that I always declined. We are a small neighborhood studio and that was intentional. I didn't, I didn't, and I don't have Brand franchising expansion dreams in that way. Um, at the same time, we're very popular <laughs> in our neighborhood right, right. because we're it. We're the studio, and um, and we've over eleven years engendered good community support and good feeling. And and because we're small, we are physically out of room. I mean, before this was happening, we I was looking for to expand space 
because we could be running two or three classes at the same time at certain points of the day, or we could be doing other kinds of workshops. So physically, yes, we have needed more space and I've been trying to figure out what that looks like in our neighborhood. Mm. Um, But I also was, and and I'm lucky for this. um, We also were being really creative with how we expanded and we had been in the process of putting together an on-demand membership so that people could practice with our teachers at home. And, and we have people who travel all the time so that they could practice with us when they travel too. So wow. we, had, we had probably filmed what we were going to do. We had filmed what was going to be about three months worth of content for our video library. And when uh, we shut down, we expedited that plan and we also added live stream classes. And so we disinfected the studio. I hired a a local handyman contractor guy who also was out of work to repaint the studio and fix the studio up as much as possible. Um, And then we have a permanent video camera set up in the studio right now so that teachers can go in, not see anyone else, and mm-hmm. <laughs> record a class that can go on wow. the on-demand membership, which means I can pay them. I'm giving them work so that I can pay them. And we have a way of connecting with our students and building up what was going to be an expansion anyway. So mm. that was kind of our plan for expanding since spaces at a premium in our neighborhood right now. Right, right. Well, at the beginning of the of the show, and this is, this is interesting to me because you found a virtual way of, of doing this, kind of go kind of taking some, a page from the, the Peloton playbook. And, you know, I've seen other services that are similar to that. One was actually a, a, a rowing machine, mm-hmm. which was very similar. You know, I'm an owner of an endurance sports hosting company myself. And so when you were talking about minis and things like that, I'm like, yep, yep, hosted those, done those. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for us, we've been focusing on trail runs in the last year. And because of, again, the situation, it's like, how do you change, you know, what, what's inherently a social event like that to something that's virtual? And of course, you know, there's virtual runs, but we're still trying to figure out, like, how do we add that, that virtual element that makes it unique and makes it personable, just like as if you were actually at, at, at the actual event. Right. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting challenge. <laughs> you can keep the yeah. intimacy without, you know, being there in person. Right. And I and I would say for us, you know, we have this on-demand membership, but you don't interact with your instructor. And so we have that, but in for for the time of corona, as long as we're shut down, we also are offering live stream classes which do offer you the opportunity to interact and connect with your teacher and the other students you know and so we always have like three to five minutes before class where everyone's checking in and chatting sometimes it goes longer depending on the class and then um and then everyone mutes themselves and and we practice together and that connection has been really important and so mm-hmm. i don't know maybe for your running maybe you guys have a virtual warm-up and, a, and everybody goes off and does their own thing but that yeah. connection and that intimacy over these you know over these these connections whether they're hobbies or sports or what you know for yoga for some people it's spiritual whatever it is like that connection with other human beings is so vitally important and i think 
I, I think one of the big lessons that we will take from this is how important actual FaceTime is over FaceTime. And yes, Zoom and FaceTime happy hours and yoga classes and all of it are going to help us survive this time. But I think they're no replacement for the real thing. Yeah. And I can't wait until I get to hug some of my friends and not just my husband and my my kid, you know? And, and I think, I think that that is a huge lesson that will come out of this. So we'll see. Yeah. Oh my God. All the feels. I know. I was just watching, like, I don't tend to watch a whole lot of Netflix, but we just sat down to watch a Netflix show one night just to relax. And they were like out at a cafe and I was just like, oh my God, I miss that. Because I just like mm-hmm. haven't realized how desperately I was missing just even being in a crowd. Yes. Right. <laughs> um, but, you know, so you've kind of answered one of my questions actually, because I wanted to talk about, you know, the world is on pause. So how do we as entrepreneurs use this moment to innovate and kind of almost like get ahead while the world is on pause? Um, how do you, um, what, what do you offer people when they're asking about, you know, the anxiety portion of the pandemic and, you know, we're stuck at home, like anxiety is absolutely at a high Um, and you work so much around mindfulness and wondering, you know, like, what would you tell people if they're feeling, you know, shut in and, um, scared? Yeah. Well, and, and to go back to the first part of this too, because I do think that there's been this pressure almost to be high achieving right now and to Mm -hmm. be, to be goal oriented. I mean, whether it's personal or professional, I mean, my husband said to me and to my five-year-old, they were talking about at dinner one night, they were talking about their goals. And my five-year-old said he wanted to learn how to ride a bike, learn how to read and to tell time by the time this was over. And my husband's talking about his running and his goals running. And they were like, so mommy, what what are your goals? And I was like, none, I've got none. I want to keep my business alive and not lose my mind. And I think people need to like really sit with how they're feeling in this. And if, if working towards a goal is going to make you feel grounded and secure and less crazy and less anxious in this time, that is amazing. Go for it. But if like, you're just like trying to get food on the table and get through the day and homeschool your kid and keep your business alive and your sanity, like that's okay too. Like Mm -hmm. I think people need to take the pressure off. Um, Yeah. There's a Maslow's hierarchy of needs happening here that is worth our attention as well. Right. I, this, this whole thing with people showing their sourdough starters on Instagram cracks <laughs> me up. And I have a, I have a great friend. She's a wonderful writer. You should totally check out her work. She's, her name's Virginia Soul Smith. And she tweeted once, she's like, all you people with sourdough starters, I'm not nesting. I'm trying to like get my work done, homeschool my kid and not get a divorce today. Like Mm -hmm. just, and I feel like it's okay. Like just let's acknowledge both sides of that. I think is really important. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Back to your question about mindfulness. I, 
I think it's also really important for people to explore what that looks like right now. I know I, I, I actually talked about this with a teacher of, of mine who said she's, she's a great meditator. I struggle with meditation. She is great. She's written books about it. And she said she's just really struggling in Shavasana and she's struggling with meditation because her mind just starts racing and and it races to a, an anxious place. And so maybe, maybe that, even if that was your pre-corona mindfulness exercise, that doesn't mean it has to be now. Um, and so for her, she's taken, taken up running and she's, um, you know, going for hikes and things like that. And I think that, um, really listening to what you need right now is so important. And I think it's important to keep trying things until you find the thing that works for you. So, you know, I'm making fun, but if baking, whether it's sourdough bread or like an obscene amount of cookies is the thing that is (laughs) the place that you can be mindful, then that's wonderful. And if it's going for a run or if it's yoga or meditation or coloring or you take up knitting, I don't know, like any of those things are totally acceptable. But I think what, what the key is, is to find the time and the activity and the thing where you can be fully present and you can stop the, the chatter the internal chatter. And that's not to say that your mind is not going to drift off to some other thought, but is the activity engrossing enough that you can call yourself back to it and let the thought go? That's essentially Mm -hmm. meditation, right? You don't need Mm -hmm. to be sitting still to do it. There's 101 other ways to do it. So I think, I think that's really important. And you know, for me, the more I've um, studied this, especially with the the Yoga Sutras, which is this foundational um, yogic text. But the thing I find most um, gratifying of it all is how permissive it is. Like the the yogis, nobody ever said this is the one way and the only way to do this. Yeah, there tends to be a lot of judgment, um, in the yogi space as well as in the meditative space, because, um, people, people tend to should all over themselves. <laughs> yeah. it should I mean, I think the, generally, oh, yeah. yeah, generally yeah. in life people should, should a lot. Yeah. Yeah, we do. <laughs> um, and so I really appreciate that reminder for our listeners that you don't have to shove yourself into a certain box and make it look a certain way in order for it to be valid. Mm-hmm. So thank you. As we're um, here in the middle of what is this? Actually, this is the second quarter already. Um, we are twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, there's some things that you're going to be able to do, some things that you were planning to do, but maybe you can't do because of the whole pandemic. But what still has you excited for the upcoming year? What's on the horizon? Yeah, great question. Thank you. Um, so, Amy, my co-author, Amy Pierce Hayden, and I have a podcast that you mentioned, and we're going to start talking about what season three looks like. So I'm really excited about that. We, we do it in seasons so we can tackle a topic at a time. 
And we also just finished, actually turned it in right when the pandemic started, um, a card deck based on Living the Sutras, which was our first book. And that um, it's all new exercises and things that people can do to create a holistic practice. So it includes some self-inquiry, some meditation, and some asana. So or, or physical practices. So I'm really excited about that. Mm. It's so good. <laughs> and you're going to continue to, to build the membership, I'm sure, hopefully. And Yes, we are. We are definitely focused on that at this. Yeah, at the studio, we're focused on the on-demand membership and we're planning some, some fun things for our students for when we're allowed to all be together. And um, we're just trying to make sure everyone feels supported, both, you know, on staff and in our, in our community. I, I think that's the greatest gift of service we can do for each other right now. Right. Right. Well, it definitely sounds like you guys have had a, a period to refocus and, and, you know, sometimes, sometimes you need that. So mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's awesome. But anyway, as we're uh, wrapping up today's conversation, I always go into the rapid fire question segment. And before we get started, just want to remind you that, uh, these are going to be thrown at you a little bit quickly. Yep. But you don't have to answer them. Okay. Okay. <laughs> don't right. panic. So, so yeah, I don't will. panic. You're not here to uh, add more stress to your life. <laughs> <laughs> so the first question, since you're a fellow podcaster, what are your three favorite influential podcasts? In other words, what three podcasts helped you to kind of end up what your your finished product is right now? Yeah, great question. So I, every day I listen to Up First and The Daily. um, And that's like, sometimes that's it for all I can take with the news right now. And honestly, I'm not listening to The Daily as regularly as I was because I've needed to create a little bit of a media moat in my morning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and And then I kind of waffle between a few. I really love the Ultimate Health podcast. I love On Being. Um, Rosie Acosta, she, her podcast, Radically Loved, and um, Andrea and Jason's podcast, Yoga Land, are two that I always go back to. And um, Rosie Acosta actually was the, the person who inspired Amy and I to start our podcast and really nudged us for that. So that that's a a personal favorite. In the last several years, what's something that you've become good at saying no to and what realizations helped? Hmm. Nothing. I am not good at saying no. <laughs> I will just admit that. Um, I'm, I would say that's probably one of my biggest weaknesses, hmm. um, which is how I end up sometimes feeling super overwhelmed. And it's something I, I know I need to work on and I need to get better at, but I haven't yet done it. So word. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, what issue do you believe that people ought to be talking about right now, but yet hard of anybody is with the whole pandemic situation? Yeah, I think people are talking about it, but I'd like to hear more about the environmental impact of all of this. Mm-hmm. I really feel like this was almost, and this is very yogic of me, um, but I really feel like this was in part the universe 
forcing us all to take a giant pause so that we could really acknowledge and fix some underlying things and healthcare and disparity in healthcare and um, disparity in economic security and is one of them. I think the environment and the climate is another. And I really, really, really hope that parental leave becomes a family issue and not just a woman's, a women's issue, because there've been just as many men with children climbing all over them in their Zoom meetings as women. As women. So I think those would be the three kind of big things I hope come out of it. And I, I don't think I'd like to hear louder voices on on the environment and on on parental leave and how we shift responsibilities a little bit there. Yeah. What is one tip for traveling? Mm, I love to travel. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is something I'm very much looking forward to when this is all over. Yeah, there's yeah. going to be a lot of trips taken. <laughs> yes, I think so. Um, I tend to... Um, Oh, here's, I have a few, but I I tend to read a lot about a destination and then just try and be in the moment once I'm there. So I do all my research and reading beforehand and then kind of let it go once I get there. And one of the first things I do once I get someplace, and this probably will not be surprising, is to take a yoga class at a local studio. And I do this for two reasons. Usually like the car ride or the plane ride has been physically painful and I just want to kind of de-kink after whatever it's been. But the other thing is, it's a great way to get a sense of what a community is really like because you're there with local people and usually folks are milling about the lobby and chatting beforehand. And sometimes it's a great way to get tips. So I went to Tucson a year or two ago and I had this whole plan for my day and I went to a yoga class and I ended up talking to one of the students and an instructor there and asking them about the hike I was planning on taking on. They're like, no, 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 don't do that one. Do this one. And it was so amazing. And so it's just a really friendly and easy way to. I agree. I um, had the pleasure of, I, I think it was one of the last trips I took before all this happened in Toronto. I went to a yoga studio with a friend of mine. So I I actually got to see her studio, not just see what her home studio is like, but then I got to connect with a lot of people. And while they, I didn't necessarily end up with like lifelong friends from that experience, the, the studio talk and the lobby talk set the tone for the rest of the trip, which was a little bit of a high stress trip because I was speaking. And so not only, as you said, like I got off the plane and I was all kinked up, but then I, I was able to go and relax and kind of smooth out my energy so that when I was needing to be on point over the next couple of days thereafter, it, it, it could it, be. Yeah. Yeah. I felt really good. Good. I think too, sometimes it can change your perception of a place. So like I took yeah. a class in Florida and I went to this like level two hot class. And I was expecting to like, be like one of like three people in there. And, and I just had this like perception of old frail people in Florida, super judgmental (laughs) and stereotypical. And I got to the class, it was packed. It was packed with people over 65 and they were badass. They like totally crushed it. And I was like, Oh my God, 
this is, and it just changed my perception of like so many things, but of yeah. that town in Florida. So, yeah. Well, they, they have the time and they have the weather. Why not? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, mm-hmm. final question, how can someone be a difference maker in their community? Mm. I think if you ask how you can serve others, then you'll find the answer. And I think it's different for every community, but I think it starts with that question is how, how can I best serve? And, and I think it should be done within the context of your personal or professional mission, whatever, whatever that looks like for you. Whatever, whatever superpower you have. Right. How, how can you use that to serve? Share it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, Kelly, thank you for spending some time with us. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> uh, again, you can be found at uh, kellydenardo.com. Where can people find you on social media? It's at Kelly Denardo on Instagram. And then on Facebook, it's Kelly Denardo Writer. All right. Super. Thank well, you. thanks again. Appreciate thank it. Thank you so much for having me. So there you have it. I hope you had some great takeaways from that chat with Kelly. Uh, I love how she's been able to keep her focus on her employees and clients throughout the crisis. And if you'd like to hear more from her, I have a handful of other interviews she's done, including one on a podcast she mentioned with Rosie Acosta called the Radically Love Podcast. Another one she did was with the Connected Yoga teacher, Shannon Crow, and one she did with the Fit Bottom Girls, Jennifer Walters and Christian Seymour. And then finally, there's one with Sarah Box, of the No Labels, No Limit show. Check those all out and the other show notes at newinceptions.com slash 173. That's it for this session, guys. Remember, if you want to start engaging with people on LinkedIn automatically the right way, check out Connected by using the URL democonnected.com slash podcast. Again, Connected is spelled K-E-N-N-E-C-T-E-D. And if you like what you see there, I'll be sure to connect you with old Devin Johnson. So that's it for session 173, guys. Thank you again for spending a little bit of time with us. As always, we appreciate you guys joining in. And until next session, dig in, have fun, and take care in whatever you're creating. And we'll see you back here next time. Thanks for listening to the Angles of Latitude podcast. Connect with us at home, at work, or on the go at facebook.com slash newinceptions on Twitter at New Inceptions, Instagram at New.Inceptions, and on the web at newinceptions.com.